Welcome. Thank you for joining us for this episode from Avondale Baptist Church. We are so happy to be sharing the Word of God with you and hope that this message is a blessing to you. And now, here's Brother Richard. What a blessing. Oh, uh, this morning, I don't know about you, but it's been hectic morning and, and having uh, problems and, and stuff like that. And, and even just being here, I, I struggled uh, to be here. And, and I don't know how many of you struggled to be here as well <laughs> this morning. Yeah. And so, uh, but you know what? We're here. We're here. And and that stinking devil, he tried to uh, confuse us. He tries to uh, put things in our head where it makes us not want to be here. But you know what? We are here. And so we may have technical difficulties. My mic might go out. But you know what? God has blessed me with a loud voice that I don't need a uh, microphone, right? Can I have an amen for that? It's so good. It's so good. This morning, we'll be talking about joy. And uh, we're going to be looking at uh, Zephaniah chapter 3. And so if you want to turn to your Bibles there to Zephaniah chapter 3. And I realize that we didn't have a welcome uh, time. So after church, we're going to have plenty of welcome when we eat. And so everyone is invited to eat after church. Uh, And so just make plans to uh, eat with us and uh, just fellowship. And we're going to talk about Jesus, right? Because a true biblical fellowship, uh, it's about Jesus. And so we're going to talk about how good Jesus is and how uh, how great he, he's been with us and with this church, and we're seeing him uh, working in people's lives, and it's just great. And I'll tell you how, how uh, crazy it's been this morning is I forgot my Bible. But you know what? Praise God, we got it up here. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 14. Let's just read it real quick. Sing, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your judgments. He has cast out your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall see disaster no more. And in that day, it shall be said to Jerusalem, do not fear, Zion. Let not your hands be weak. The Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one, will save. And he will rejoice over you with gladness. He will will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. I will gather those who sorrow over the appointed assembly who are among you to whom its approach is a burden. And behold, at that time, I will deal with all who afflict you. I will save the lame and gather those who were driven out. I will appoint them for praise and fame in every land where they were put to shame. 
And at that time, I will bring you back. Even at the time I gather you, for I will give you fame and praise among all the people of the earth. When I return your captives before your eyes, says the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you and love you, Father, for who you are, what you have done, but also what you're going to do. Father, I want us to know that You're a God that keeps to his promises. You're a God who loves us, who loves your children. Father God, you are a God of mercy and grace. And Father, it doesn't matter what we're going through right now during these uh, holiday seasons or, or whatever it is that we may be going through as individual families, Father. But Father God, I know that what your word says that you're going to deliver us from that. That there's going to be a time where we're going to breathe our last breath here on earth and our first breath in heaven. And that's when we're going to be home. And Father God, if we just keep our focus on that. Have our focus on eternal things and not earthly things, then then we could that's when we could find real joy in our lives. And so, Father God, I just pray for your anointing this morning, Father. We see how the enemy is trying to distract us, Father God. And I know that there's people here right now, Father, that they're being distracted. Clear our minds and open our hearts to what you have to say. Father, I pray that you would open our ears and open our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. This is an awesome uh, verses because it's about restoration. It's about God coming back to his people and restoring them. See, in a few verses before that, God was talking about the judgment, about his judgment. They were being disobedient. And God says, look, there's going to be a time where it's no more. I'm coming home and I'm going to restore you. And you're going to be in your true home. And that's where we can find joy. And that's what the message is about this morning. And it's about finding joy. Even in the midst of us going through the, 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 the valley of the shadows of the valley of death. Hitting those, those low moments in life. We can still have joy. And I am going to be 100% honest with you. As I was preparing for this message, I did, not, I, I did not experience any really much joy this week. And it was like, God, how can I preach on a, on a sermon about joy when I'm not even experiencing the joy right now? So much is going on and so much is happening and And you see so much pain and heartache and just so much stuff being piled on. Whether it's with my family or whether it's with the church or whether it's at my job or with my community or whatever it is. There's just so much that keeps piling on. And I bet you can relate to that. This is supposed to be a joyous season. But it just seems like that joy is just so far out that you can't reach it. And I struggled this morning 
And as I was studying the scriptures and and seeing God's word and just saying, just seeing even a couple of verses before that of what we read, he it didn't sound like a very good story. God's punishment, God's judgment. Man, God, is that why I'm going through the things that I'm going through? Because maybe there's a, a sin that I need to address in my life. I know I haven't been perfect. What is it, Lord? Are you even punished me? Is it, maybe it's just the consequences of my own actions. Maybe you're in a situation because of the consequences of your actions, the choices that you've made, and God really didn't have anything to do with it. He just allowed you to do it. Sometimes God lets us make those decisions, right? He's like, oh, you want to do that? You think that's a good idea? I don't know, Richard. That may not be a good idea, but if you make that choice, okay, I'll let you make that choice. And then later on, you're like, man, God, why did you let me make that choice? Right? But you know what? No matter what, no matter what you're going through, no matter the situation that you're in, God brings restoration. No matter. If you are a child of God, you can bank that God is going to restore you. You could bank on God's word. And he brings that restoration and he brings that joy back to his people, to us, through his forgiveness. And that's what's so awesome about that. His forgiveness. Man, thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me for the way I've acted this week. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me for the things that I've said. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me when I've made it all about myself. See, when you have walked through dark times, and which I know we have, you have, did you experience God's restoration? Yes. Because you are here. Every single one of us have gone through some storms. Guess what? You're here today. He'll get you through this storm. He'll get us through this storm. He'll get me through this storm. He has before time and time again. But what I'm learning is that I take that experience that I've gone through and and see that restoration. And I just look at the bigger picture now. The bigger part of the story, that one day we all will be restored. The big restoration. One day God is going to make all things new. And I want you to understand that. That one day God is going to make all things new. And that in that is what we can rejoice in. And that is what we can rejoice in because this is not what all life has to offer. This is all what the earth has to offer. But God offers us so much more. There's a documentary that I watched the other day and it's called Lead Me Home. Lead Me Home. And, and it was a, 
a documentary, a news crew or a film crew that was was going to the streets of San Francisco and and where there's a lot of homeless people. And I was watching that and I'm like, I cannot believe that this is happening in America. People sleeping in tents on the streets, on the side of buildings. People are are just literally just sleeping on sidewalks. Hundreds and hundreds, possibly thousands of people. See, we're blessed to live in in a small community like Sweetwater because we don't see that much. But we do have people. But we don't see it as much. And what I also see is that when we do see people, people, the people of this community, they try to help. But you think about it in a, in a bigger scale where the help is just few and, and the problems is just overwhelming. There's so much. And I'm like, wow, God, I'm watching it on TV that there's people living like that in America where people are making millions and billions of dollars. And how is people in the United States living like this? And they were interviewing some of those people that were living out in the streets. And you could tell, you know, they have problems. You know that they were dealing with some things. Maybe some mental health is going on, some drug addiction. You know, even just some that just was outcasted by their families. And and they all said the same thing. I just want a home. I just want a home. If I could just get a home, if I could just get an apartment, if I could just get a house. Then we could start working on that. And this film crew is, 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 is trying to ask them questions and, and to figure it out. How can we help? Where, where can we do? What is the process of helping people? And it was really interesting because most of them didn't want to be on the streets. And they knew that if they could get the help that they, that they need, that there is something better. Let me tell you something. Every single one of us, every single one of us, we're homeless people because this is not our home. This is not our home. And just like those people that are living on the streets, we cry out because we want something better. We know that God has something more. And he does. And he does. His promise leads us to know that there is something better. Something far more worth than anything that this world can offer us. So much more. How? How can we keep that perspective? How can we see the things that God has and allow that to bring joy? Because again, let's, it's about joy today. See, we know the end of the story. We know, church. We know that his word is true and that God keeps his promises. And we know that Jesus has a place for us. I truly believe that. If I, if I didn't believe it, then all this is what are we doing for? Nothing. But we believe in it. There's people getting murdered because they believe in Jesus. 
we see his work in, in all around us. Me and Becky did a, a study at home the other day, and, and the guy was talking about the miracles of Jesus. And, and did you know that every miracle that he did, it was because there was a problem? Now think about it. There was a problem. God handled it. He performed a miracle. If you're in a problem right now, if you are in a situation, your miracle's coming. But for those of you that think that you have it all together, and hey, I'm good, you got to be careful. Because in order to have a miracle in your life, you got to have a problem. In order to have a miracle in your life, you have to have a problem. God is so good. He is so, so good. I'm just allowing the Holy Spirit. I'm not even going to go by my notes. This week, I, I told you it was, it was rough. Lord, how can I preach on joy when there's no joy right now in my life? I'm, I, and I have a lot to be joyful about. I got a church family that loves me. I got a, a family and relatives who love me. We just spent holidays together this yesterday, and it was a joyful time, but it was just like, bleh. You know, have you ever had one of those, bleh, you know? And I start thinking about things that are happening uh, outside of my life, you know, at my, my work or in my community or the kids' school or teenage girls, you know, all these things that, that I'm just continuing to uh, feed myself. And next thing you know, I'm worried. And next thing you know, I'm not having any joy. And I was talking to Todd this morning and when we were in our prayer uh, meeting this morning. And he says, you all right? And I was like, no, I'm not all right. He's like, man, it's tough. I don't know what's going on, you know. Did, a, did some uh, tough few funerals, you know. But I tell you all this, not for you to feel sorry for me. Because this morning, right before our Sunday school class, I was just like, God, help me. I need you. And boy, God just slapped me in my face. Have you ever got slapped by God? And you're like, whoa, wait a minute. Okay. And he said... You're making it all about you. He's like, Richard, you're making it all about you. You're making it about you, and that's the problem. This week, you're like, it's me, me, this, I do this, I feel this, I'm this, Where do I come in the picture? Where have I been this week with you? What have I done? And I started, and whoo, thank you, Jesus. Psalms 23. Psalms 23, can you find that in your Bible, Todd? Because I don't, I, don't I just love Psalms 23, right? It's, 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 it's uh, the Psalm of David, right? And, and we're going to go through this. We're just, we're going to go, huh? Oh, that's my Bible? Oh, okay, Todd had my Bible. <laughs> Check this out. Check this out. We're, we, uh, this is how God works. 
I'm telling you, church, man, if you don't believe in God, you make today be the day that you put your trust in Jesus. Man, you make it today because he loves you. Yes, give him praise. We could shout all day for football games and basketball games, but when it comes to church, we feel like we have to be quiet. No, let's shout. Let's make our, our praises loud. Let's don't allow the rocks outdo us in praising God. Oh, I have so much. Thank, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I don't, Psalms 23. And our Sunday school class is going to get a double dose of this, all right, because all this was happening in our Sunday school class. So we started our a small group on Wednesday nights, and it's been great. I was really iffy. I was really iffy, right? And it's been really good. Just be able to to connect outside of the church, outside of these walls, and, and meet in our homes and just... And we just, one of my sisters says, you know, let's do the Psalms 23 study. So we're doing Psalms 23. And the first night was just the first word, the first verse. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Right? Right, we know that. We say it, you probably have it somewhere as a decoration in your house or on your desk or on a coffee mug or on a t-shirt, right? Psalms 23, but do you really understand you really understand what David is saying here? He's saying that the Lord is my God. My, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want anything. And some translation says, I like nothing. Do you truly believe that, church? Do we truly believe that God is all we ever needed? God is all we ever want. Do we, right? And this is what's... Ooh. And he says, David goes on and he says, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. Who? God. He restores my soul. Right? Not the church. Not Todd. Not me. He does. God does. He restores. He restores your soul. He's going to make you lie down. And he will lead you beside still waters. And he restores my soul and he leads me in the paths of righteousness. So the other day, I was having a, a pouting party. Like I said, I just, oh, I'm going through a lot of stuff. I don't have no joy. I, things are just not going well in my life. And so what am I going to do? I'm going to go do something that I enjoy. Right? And I, I love hunting. I love hunting. And I only had one day available to hunt this week. Oh, I'm going hunting on that day. Nothing's going to stop me. Well, that was the day we had the 100-mile-per-hour wind. <laughs> oh, I'm still going. Oh, I'm still going. And Brother Don knows my construction expertise and my construction skills that last year my deer blind got blown up by the wind. And that was probably only 10-mile-per-hour wind. So I didn't have a deer blind, but I had one of those pop-up tents. You try to put a pop-up tent in a 100-mile-per-hour wind, it doesn't work. But, oh, oh, I'm going to show God. I'm going to do this. I'm going to set my tent up, and I'm going to sit there, and I'm going to shoot the biggest buck out there. And, and oh, it's going to be good, and it's going to be peaceful, and that's going to bring me joy. I'm determined. Got the 
tent, and I'm just, tent is blowing away like a parachute, and I'm, I'm hanging on, and I got the hammer, and I'm hurry up and spiking in. I was like, nothing's going to stop me. Nothing's going to stop me. I'm going to sit here, and I'm going to relax, and I'm going to enjoy. I'm going to, all this other stuff. I need this, God. I need this. I need this. I finally get it set up, and Yes, I know that you will lead me beside still waters, and you're going to restore my soul. And so you're leading me to my dear lease, and you're leading me to this, <laughs> try to set up this tent. And so it's, I'm going to get peace. It's going to restore my soul, right? That's, that's what I was thinking. And I sit there, and sitting on my chair, and the tent is just blowing back and forth. And so silly, silly, silly me. So determined. Have you ever felt like that? You're just determined. You're just determined that you're going to get what you want. You're so determined to do silly things like setting up a tent during a windstorm. And I do. I got it. I got it set. And God, God allows you to set up your tents because that's what he does. He sits back. He says, you want to do this? Fine. Something that took, took 10 minutes, it, it, it took me an hour to get it set up. And I'm sitting there. Got my rifle loaded. Oh, I'm ready for that big butt. And that's, that tent is just flapping back and forth. And, and it, just, it just was really nice. And I said, Lord, I finally calmed down. And I said, Lord, I need this. I need this so much more. I need this. Please stop. Please stop the wind. Please. And you know what happened? The wind blew even harder. (laughs) The wind blew even harder. I was like, Lord. So I'm packing my stuff, or not yet, I was... Do whatever every, every other hunter does. Get on their phone and scroll Facebook. And I see that we have a soccer game at 4, which I thought it was at 7. And it was 3.30. I was like, oh, Samuel really wanted me to go. I said, okay, Lord. I see, what you, I, I see where I need to be. So I pack up my stuff and I just throw everything in the back of my truck and take off and and, and I go to the soccer game, and it was great. It was good. Now I was in the 100-mile-per-hour wind and down there at the, at the Mustang Bowl watching soccer, but it was great. It was good. It was good. But during all that time, during all that chaos, during all that, I was thinking that being in this tent was my place of peace. Thinking that being in this hunting, in this deer blind was my place of joy. And then I was like, well, you know what? Family. Family. Oh, that's, you can't go wrong with family, right? Had a good time. But there was no joy. There was no joy. I'm thinking of things that's happening in my life. Thinking of things that's happening elsewhere. David says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. 
Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That's where I was at this week. Walking in the valley of the shadow of death. I didn't realize it. But I was in a valley up to about an hour and a half ago. Can you believe that? Up to an hour and a half ago, I was in a valley all week. And this is what David says. He says, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. And he says, your your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. And he says, surely. Goodness and mercy shall follow me. And all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Forever. What changed? What changed in David's attitude? If we go back in Psalms 23, verse 3, he goes to all these. He makes me lie down. He leads me beside still water. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness, right? Like we, let's understand that. God is the one that's in control. God is the one that leads us. God is the one that's going to restore us, right? But why? Why does God want to restore me? Why does God want to restore you? Right? Because I just learned that it's not about me. And let me tell you something, church. It's not about you either. Why? Because in the next verse, this is what David says. He leads me in the path of righteousness. Why? For his name's sake. Not for Avondale Baptist Church. Not for Richard Acuna. Not for Gary Ruffin, not for Teacher Judy, not for Todd Donham, but it's for his name's sake. Woo! Thank you, Jesus, for bringing me back. Thank you, Jesus, for slapping me in the face to bring me back. Why? Because as sheep, sheep are not very smart creatures. And I think that's why he calls us sheep. And David realized, man, you know what? It's all because of God. It's for his namesake. It's because of him. It's for his namesake why we get restored. Why we get that rest for our soul. David sees that. And his attitude changes. His spirit changes. He says, I will fear no evil. No matter what I'm going through, no matter what I'm going to go through, I'm going to fear no evil. And he says, why? Because you are with me. God is with you. Jesus is with us. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? And this is what I like. He says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Does God's rod and staff, does does it comfort you? I picture a staff of a shepherd's staff that has a hook, right? 
that shaft, that 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 uh, rod, that that staff. It's 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 a shepherd's tool and weapon. It protects the sheep. Right, it can, can poke it and 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 defeat whatever it is that the sheep are in danger of. Right, that he protects us. God protects us. That's why we can find comfort because he protects us. But you know what else? That hook. What's that hook for? To bring them back. Right? To bring the sheep back. Maybe he found a sheep that was straying away. Uh-uh-uh, get back over here. Uh-uh-uh, I'm not done with you. And maybe that's some of you this morning is that you strayed away for so long and God has that staff and he's like, nope, come on back. Come on back, son. Come on back, daughter. I got more work to do. Let's put you back in line. To remember who restores you. Remember who gives you rest. It's the great shepherd. And who's the great shepherd? Jesus. He's the good shepherd. Oh, I just love that. And then that attitude. And then he says, all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He says this because David knows. In verse 6, it says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Surely. Do you believe that? No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're dealing with in life, if you are a a believer in Jesus Christ, he he doesn't leave you, he doesn't forsake you, he loves you, and he calls us all back. And when we start thinking that way, guess what? We start having joy. We start having that peace that surpasses all understanding, right? I don't know why I have this sense of peace. I don't know why I have this spirit of joy. I know why, because the Lord is with us. And you know, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And there is so much of us that are in bondage. See, if the truth is to set us free, right? If the, what's the truth? God's word, Jesus, right? If the truth is to set us free, what does a lie do? Keeps us in bondage. Keep, keeps us in locked up. And I want you to know this morning, you could be released from that bondage. Those chains can be broken. That that spirit of resentment can be casted out. That spirit of, of, of just reconciliation can be brought back in. That spirit of restoration, being redeemed, being renewed. See, Christ came for what? Why did he come? Right, to die for sinners. As Gary comes up, and I just ask that you just begin to play softly. Man, what is it that the Holy Spirit is saying to you? We are all in need of a Savior. We are all in need of a shepherd with his staff ready to protect us, ready to grab us back in. We are all in that need. 
And so with the Holy Spirit, if that is you where, you know what, I've never made that commitment to Christ. I never took that step of faith where, you know what, I want, I want to be part of the family. I want my name to be written in the book of life. I want to have a place in heaven. Well, the first thing you need to do is you need to believe. You need to know what Jesus has done. And you got to have a relationship with this man named Jesus. With this man named Jesus that wants to do miracles in your life, that wants to restore you, that wants to redeem you, that wants to make you brand new. Right? Who doesn't like new stuff? (laughs) Right? We all like new stuff. Well, God said that his son came to make us new, not to make us different, not to not to 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 just be a little bit smarter or a little bit uh, handsome, more a little bit more handsome. Is that even a word? I don't know. He said he came to make you brand new. And that's what it takes is that step. So you know what? I want this man named Jesus. I want to have a relationship with him. I want to know more about him, and I want to fall in love with him, and I want him to see him at work in my life. He will. We've been hearing testimonies after testimonies after testimonies. Oh, sweet a little Amanda. Recent testimony on a ventilator. God wants to do something in your life. And it begins with you taking that step of faith. Maybe that's not you. Maybe you do have a relationship with Christ, but maybe just somewhere along the way you just kind of strayed off and started leaning more on your wisdom. Started doing things on your own ability and less on God. And God said, hey, you're, you're, you're going in the wrong direction. And he's calling you back. Maybe there's a relationship that needs to be restored. Maybe there's a health that needs to be uh, resolved. Maybe there's uh, your finances needs to be right. Maybe uh, your job, maybe you're looking for whatever it is that you're looking for, whatever it is that you're dealing with, it's not bigger than God. I've talked about this the last couple of weeks. Trust and obey. That is really simple. Trust and obey. But we make it so hard. Another thing, real quick. David talks about being anointed with oil. And a while back, I did a study on, on how shepherds pour oil on the heads of the sheep. And it's like, wow, why? Why do they put oil on the heads of the sheep? It's to drive the flies away. See, what happens if you don't have the oil, if the shepherd don't put oil on the sheep's head, flies starts making a home. They start laying eggs, and then the, 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 the maggots, the larvae, gets inside the sheep's head. And guess what? It drives the sheep's mad. And so they pour the oil to keep the flies away so the larvae, so the maggots can't get into the sheep's head and drive the sheep crazy and let me tell you something sometimes I feel crazy sometimes I feel like I'm losing my mind and I know you feel the same way it's okay but this that reminds me what is it that I'm hearing 
What is it that I'm seeing that I'm putting into my head that the enemy is, is allowing to draw this chaos? The enemy is using whatever it is that I see and I hear and, and the young ones. We tell this all the time in the youth. You be careful with what you're listening to. You be careful with what you're seeing. Because it goes into your eyes and then next thing you know it goes into your heart. And next thing you know it's coming out of your mouth and your hands. And I say this. Because the biggest struggle that I dealt with this week was my mind. Mental health is a, is a very big thing. And it's nothing to shy away from. You know, it's real. It's out there. But let me tell you something. It's not bigger than God. God can re- even restore your mind. He's done it to me time after time after time. And he could do it to you. That's why Mark chapter 5, the demon-possessed man, that is my favorite story. (laughs) Because this man was an outcast. Nobody could control him anymore. He lost his mind. Why? Because he was possessed by legions of demons. Thousands of demons took this man's life. And the community did not know what to do with him, so they casted him out into the grave, into the graveyard to sleep with the dead. They tried to chain him up, but he was too wild. But what has happened? God, Jesus went across to visit that one man. And we all know that that man was healed. He was so bad that he was cutting. We run on kids all the time that are cutters. It's real. It's out there. But this is what happens. This is what I love about this story, that when he had an encounter with Christ, that demon-possessed man, even though he was demon-possessed, it didn't stop him from running towards Jesus. It didn't stop him to run. When he saw Jesus, he ran towards him and he fell. And that's a posture of worship. Even the demons knows how to worship Jesus. And this is what I love about this. This is what I love about the story because this story is all of us. He had an encounter with Christ and guess what? Scripture says that he came to his right mind and he was fully clothed. I could just imagine. I wish wish they would just make a Hollywood movie of this story. And he came into his right mind. There's some of us this morning that are just scared to take that step out in front of people of 50. Don't let that be you. If the Holy Spirit is leading you to come to the front, to come and and pray at the altar or have me or Todd pray over you, we will. But don't let it stop you. It didn't stop a man that was possessed by a thousand demons, a legions of demons. Don't let one thought stop you from coming to the front. And having an experience with Christ. And allow Christ to just take over your life. As Gary plays. Take this moment. And what is the Holy Spirit? If you want to stand, I ask that you stand. If you want to sit and pray, you can pray. If you want to come to the altar, pray. It's okay. If you want me or Todd to pray over you we will but church I'm telling you 
We got to let God back in our lives. We got to let God back in our church. We got to let God back in our schools. We got to let God back in our, in our community. And it begins with us, the church. Father God, for this wonderful message. We pray that it has been a comfort and a blessing to our listeners. Thank you for taking the time to join us here at Avondale Baptist Church. Until we see you again, always remember, Jesus loves you.